Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. Dub is the actionable video platform, and here we are today with Jody Potter to talk about some amazingly interesting topics, specifically centered around her growth journey on LinkedIn and how she has become the radical CPA. So she's got a book and she's got a great social media following and obviously a practice, a business. So Jody, let's let's get into this. Maybe you could give us a short bio, a little bit of a backstory, and then we can get into the topic. Sure. So uh, about 14 years ago, I was working in a mid-sized accounting firm, feeling kind of frustrated because, uh, you know, it was an old school firm and, you know, women, I was, had my kids, uh, part-time was like part-time to nowhere. And uh, I wanted to jump out and do something different, right? And so I left my old school firm and I actually joined my dad who was a CPA and we, well, we evolved his firm, but, um, what happened was is at that time cloud was just becoming popular right and so i started to work with customers differently all cloud um and working with uh small businesses in the cloud is very different than working with them face to face even though since COVID, i'm sure you know a lot of us who weren't on that journey before kind of fast forwarded through it right but anyways i was really that early adopter that innovator um in our industry and the vendors would say because i would go to them and complain that the technology sucked and then they would come to me and say well you know it's like the chicken or the egg well we need more cpas to use our technology and at that point social was becoming popular and so i became a blogger and as a blogger what i did is i really talked about how the industry needed to change uh, the cpa industry or the accounting industry needed to change as a whole and that um you know the old school methods were no longer relevant based on the new technology coming out and what happened was is um once i started blogging i started to get kind of a following in a large magazine well accounting today which is like uh a technical magazine that like accountants would read, like you wouldn't read it unless you were an accountant. Um, but then Twitter came out and I started tweeting and um, early adopter, no other CPAs were on Twitter. So uh, grew a huge following. And then, and everybody was laughing at me. Everyone's like, oh, CPAs can't be on social, you know, uh -huh. it's not professional, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 10 years later, uh, three books and um, almost 700,000 followers on LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> I guess social actually really works. And uh, this thing that I defined, really this new way of running a CPA firm um, is now relevant. And it's what firms look like today or are trying to look like. And then, um, yeah, and then actually I exited my business business in um, January of this year and became vice president of strategy at Botkeeper. So uh, crazy journey and just a lot of fun stuff. Wow, that, that is an epic journey. I mean, isn't it interesting how, uh, you know, naysayers uh, didn't necessarily connect to the idea of someone in a more, I don't know, hard skill or technical or dare I call it boring field uh, actually get on social. That is absolutely ridiculous. First of all, accounting is not boring. It's very interesting. In fact, when you actually take the time to understand it, and I, I try to do that as much as I possibly can, 
And second of all, I think social, there's a world for everyone on social. There is no type of person that shouldn't be on social unless you're, uh, I don't know, a personal bodyguard for <laughs> celebrity or, you know, maybe you're in the witness protection program. <laughs> there's a couple of use cases where maybe you shouldn't be on social, but 99.999% of them and us should be. So thank you for sharing that. Um, what are some of the things that you've learned on that journey, you know, specific to you growing a following, but then you also being a leader and, and sharing all the insight that you have. So um, a lot of people say they're thought leaders, but they're not. They just regurgitate other people's thoughts. So like the only way you're really going to get noticed is if you really kind of have a thought <laughs> and kind of take a stand doing something, right? And the other thing is, is that when you're disrupting an industry, um, you forget that there's a lot of power at play. And especially back 10 years ago, social kind of democratized it, right? It really made it level. And I was surprised as to how many people who were in significant places of power tried to kind of push me down. But I was also surprised by how many people who were places of power who really stood up for me and gave me some of their social capital in the old school world to kind of push my agenda or my ideas forward because they knew they were the right ideas, even though they couldn't necessarily say them themselves, which to me was kind of the interesting piece about social that I didn't really get. But now looking back, it's like, wow, those guys were really smart. And I mean, they're mentors and friends now. But when I think about what they gave up to say, like, we know this is what the future is and we need to listen to her. Um, and they took a chance. Right. And then sure enough, fast forward now, like the accounting world is trying to look like what the radical CPA has created. Mm. Well, I think one of the, the most interesting thing from an accounting perspective is that if you understand the numbers, it can change your whole mindset with respect to every other aspect of the business, whether it's sales or marketing or operations or technology. You know, how much money do we invest into advertising? Should we hire that app iOS developer? You know, should we expand the team? Should we figure out ways to cut costs? What are smarter ways that we can run the business? And, and having like a dashboard is, I think, truly the unlock for 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 people in business and understanding the numbers. The, the problem is that it's not something that we've typically done. When we think of dashboards, both from a literal and a metaphorical perspective for finance or business or business or any type of numbers, you know, we think of marketing numbers, we think of uh -huh. analytics and we think of stuff like that, but seldom do we actually think of accounting. So my first question about this is, you know, how can we all do a better job to understand the pulse of the business, whether we're the entrepreneur or one of the founders or an executive or someone that just has access and transparency to information. Like this. So first of all, be in the cloud, right? So if you're still working with a CPA who's paper and pencil or who's not using and updating your information in real time, you're behind, right? Because how can you make those decisions if you don't have data in real time? Now with 10 years ago, that was really kind of unique. Today, it's less unique, but it should, it's, it's less than you think, I guess, right? Like to me, everybody should be in it, but there's still a lot of small businesses who rely on financial professionals who aren't using the latest data. And how can you have a dashboard if you don't have up-to-date data? So if you're a small business owner and you're looking, when you're looking for a CPA, you're shopping for an accountant, make sure they're using cloud tools so that you get your information in real time. Because it's really hard to do a cash forecast or a projection if you're 
catching up. We need to be looking forward, not backwards, right? And now if you look at it, so 10 years ago, it was the cloud. Today, the company that I work for is based in machine learning and artificial intelligence. So that's just going to make it even better for firms or firms in general, right? As well as small businesses to have access to that data in real time because the automation that's happening today is so much faster. And then what it does is it allows your CPA to kind of get out of the weeds, which is typically where they spend most of their time and then actually do that advisory stuff and look at that dashboard to help you figure out, are your marketing dollars really giving you a return on investment, right? Or are you spending money going somewhere or, you know, in something that that's not helping you? And those are the things that CPAs want to help you with, but traditionally they just haven't had time because they're so busy getting the numbers in and getting them correct. But if they, if you have a CPA who knows and embraces technology, now they can actually do that advisory piece for you. Mm. One of the services that I've become a user of um, at Dub is called Bench, Bench Accounting. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that they are the classic cloud-based accounting firm now, uh, just so that people kind of know, you know, this is not a sponsored thing by them by any means, but, but what's interesting about them is that they have, you know, an army of, of bookkeepers and uh, a cloud-based platform. Um, real-time uh, syncs to you know Stripe, financial, bank, credit card information, and then a dashboard ultimately that you get that you can sort of monitor the business on, and you can do it in a near real-time basis, maybe more like a more like a monthly monthly basis, I should say. And I think that what's really been helpful from from my perspective, um, you know, at the helm of a of a software company, is that it allows me to actually have my finger on the pulse to understand. Uh, what's happening in the business. Um, do you, now Quicken is obviously a go-to tool, but I think the, the the mindset change that needs to happen is looking at accounting on an ongoing basis to make decisions. So what are some practices that you might recommend for people to actually get into that mindset? I, I kind of earlier on, just to give a little bit of context, I early on realized that I needed to invest into myself and my knowledge. So I, I actually got an MBA and I have a, a focus on finance and entrepreneurship. Um, having a focus on entrepreneurship is not is a little bit of an oxymoron. And having having a mass me having a master's in finance is also an oxymoron <laughs> if you know me because I'm, I'm more creative and a marketer and a, a technical developer. But anyways, that was a lot of information. Give us your take on that. Um, so I think you just need to get used to being with your numbers, right? So I think okay. the hardest part is is so many entrepreneurs and so many small business owners are so afraid that they, they forget you just have to step on the scale and start where you're at, right? So it doesn't matter what your numbers look like. If you step on the scale and you start where you're at, then you can either, um, you can make progress towards them, right? And so what I think is, is so many people are so afraid of it that they don't even look, mm. right? So step on that scale, figure out what your numbers are, where you're at. Now you can start moving, right? And so, and then that's where either, you know, I would always say connect with a financial professional to kind of help you figure out what those moves should be. So, so, you know, when it's time to hire, so, you know, all those other things, because I think what happens is, is a lot of small businesses try to do it themselves and then they end up kind of their penny wise and pound foolish, right? So um, they end up in a, especially with, in regards to tax, right? They end up in a predicament that had they had a little bit of advisory on the front end, that they would be significantly better at the back end. So, so that's, I mean, 
and, and that's what being to me being a CPA is about, right? Is that that additional knowledge that yeah, you can look on the internet for information, but is it the right information, and are you getting it from a trusted source? Mm. And uh, and what would you say the the top mistakes that people are making in business right now with respect to accounting not being cloud based? Let's let's start as with that right. as the first one, but give me some give me some other ones here. So I think um, entity selection, I think too many people go in and say, I should be an LLC, yet they don't know what an LLC is and why you need to be an LLC or the tax benefits of being an LLC or not being an LLC. And should you be an S corp or should you be a C corp or all those other things that interplay? Basically, they asked their friend and their friend said, well, I'm an LLC, you should be an LLC. <laughs> Right. And that's not necessarily true. There's so many things besides legal things that you need to be aware of when you choose what kind of entity you want to be. So I think that's the the number one thing that these pre-entrepreneurs want to do. Right. Like because they go online, they figure it out and then typically they figure it out wrong. Mm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the first entrepreneur's dilemma is what kind of business to create. Right. Right. <laughs> Uh, all right, give me give me another one. What's what's another kind of uh, bad mistake that you see people making? So I think you have to think about um, capital and what you're investing in, right? Mm. So if you're not a startup who's raised capital, you need to realize that the money that you're investing in sales is going to drive your other um, opportunities. I think too many businesses kind of get caught in this um, cut costs instead of increased sales. And I think there's a happy medium and you can't go crazy, but also if all you do is cut costs, you'll never grow your business. And so you really kind of have to do that kind of balance between them. And I think, again, that's where sometimes, you know, it's helpful to have someone, um, an outside party helping you kind of make those decisions, right? Because it's really hard to kind of make all those decisions by yourself. Yeah, and what would you say the, the number three worst mistake that uh, folks are making? So I think too many people take too much money out of their businesses. Mm. So <laughs> I think they suck them dry, right? So it's like, I have cash in that account, I'm gonna pull it out, right? So that that's not always the best thing to make sure you have a cash reserve because you don't know what's gonna happen in two months, three months, whatever. And that was kind of what happened with the whole PPP loan thing, right? Now, granted, a lot of entrepreneurs got their PPP loans, but what would have happened if the government wouldn't have given out those PPP loans? How many of those businesses, because they didn't have three months of working capital would have just gone away, right? Mm. And so, you know, save for a rainy day, right? You have to think about your future and where you want to be because you can't always live in today if you want to build a sustainable business. Now, if you want to play a game, then that's another thing. But if you truly, and I think too, as you start to hire employees, it even becomes more important because then you have people who you're responsible for, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't don't always remember that, you know, then they have employees that they have to worry about. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Got it. Uh, you know, I remember when I was at the time when I think the PPP loans just got really big, uh, you know, I was actually in the market for a car. I was actually in the market for an off-road kind of four by four vehicle, just, just as a fun, like a toy. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's also something that, you know, I wanted to use for content creation, creating videos, just kind of doing more stuff outdoors. So it's a little bit of, a, of an investment, if you will, um, a little bit of a stretch because obviously it's fun. But uh, but the point, though, is that as I was going to the various dealerships and kind of meeting with folks to, to purchase a car, 
which I ultimately did. You know, I remember hearing from a lot of people in sales at the dealerships and, you know, just individual sellers that used car sales are going like crazy right now. And the reason why that's happening, according to these folks, is because people have money and there's actually a lot of loans, right? So at first I was like, wait a minute, th does that sound wrong? Is, is there something wrong about this? And then I remember reading about some article in the news where some, some guy bought a Lamborghini from, from the loans that he got. And it was, okay. it was some sort of a small little niche headline. And it was like he got, he got into some trouble and whatnot. But I realized, I was like, wow, like what's the <clears throat> mismanagement of capital that's happening right now with respect to getting these infusions you know, from loans, from the PPP loans and so on and so forth. Now, I have to say that having a car for a business is, a, is an asset and it can help you. It gets you from point A to point B. So it's not always uh, Lambos, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it does require that we have a certain level of discretion and a certain level of, of just kind of mindful thoughtfulness when allocating our, our capital. So what are some benchmarks that you might present to us when we have access to cattle and capital and, and how and where we can use that? So I would start with a forecast, right? So that's a tool that um, you can use, you connect it to essentially your, um, your P&L and your balance sheet, and then you can actually um, manipulate the numbers to make sure that they match with where you want to be in one month, in three months, in six months, whatever. And the thing about a forecast, which is different than a budget, because a lot of people say, oh, that's a budget. No, a budget says you have so much money and you're going to spend it all because it's allocated to a certain you know, specific thing like, okay, I allocated $100,000 to marketing, I'm going to spend it all on marketing. A forecast says that you're, you have those numbers allocated, but you have the ability to manipulate them on a month to month basis based on what your numbers are, right? Because if you think about budgets, budgets are based on fixed numbers where forecasts are always roving. Mm. And then what if, what if someone, they don't have the chops to be able to do this? You know, we, as a platform, Dub, as a community, you know, we we cater to small businesses, we cater to solopreneurs, you know, we cater to to some larger enterprises. Um, so, what if someone can't afford, or they don't feel like they're quite ready to to have that full time accountant or part time kind of expensive accountant get on their on their payroll, or even a part time or full time CFO? Like, where's a good place to start to to get? Uh, to get access to this type of information, inside education, you know, if if you don't have the capital to be able to so invest into it. When you think about a forecast, there's a product out there called Live Plan, and mm -hmm. I think it's a, I don't know what it costs a month, but it's like a monthly subscription whatever. And it gives you that opportunity to kind of put it together, right? To kind of connect the dots. The only thing that I do, I caution is is like, you know, it starts with data and if your data is bad to begin with you're forecasting on bad data and that's the that's the problem that i see with entrepreneurs who come into our office who haven't had kind of help or who haven't they don't have good data to start with so and they think they do right so that's kind of right that's kind of the hard part right because well, that's think the most dangerous data right? <laughs> it's one thing to have bad data and to admit that you have bad data right. it's another thing to, to have bad data thinking that it's good and it's actually not so, so that's the only thing is, is like, if you're going to do this stuff, right, just really make sure that you're, I guess you're starting from a point of good data. Mm. Um, because otherwise, um, I think you'll, you'll, you know, you'll get in trouble faster than you, you want to, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and how can we be better housekeepers of data? Uh, for the folks in the software industry, they might have 
an unfortunate advantage uh, or a fortunate advantage, depending on how you look at it, where all, all the data might already exist. You might have Stripe, you might have PayPal, you might have Recurly, you might have some service where you do an export. You know, It's not like that for everyone else, which either means that it makes you more complacent and maybe lazy where you don't necessarily understand it, or it just makes it easier. Well, and I would argue that it actually makes it harder because mm -hmm. a lot of times that data gets doubled and entrepreneurs don't realize it's doubled. Mm -hmm. So their revenue is twice as much oh because they downloaded Stripe and then they downloaded their bank statement and they didn't realize that they had to match that stuff up, right? So it double counts it. So when mm -hmm. you're dealing with data feeds, data feeds don't make everything easier. They just make everything, well... They make certain things easier, but they also mean that you need to know what you're looking at, right? Mm -hmm. So if your numbers come up and say that you made, I don't know, let's say $100,000, but you only have $40,000 in your bank account, um, gee, maybe there's something wrong here, right? <laughs> so I think a lot of times people think, again, because, oh, I downloaded it or, oh, the computer did it, it's right. And that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've seen that lots and lots of times. So that's not, and typically that's what, when someone calls, right? Because they say like, I'm trying to do this and it's not working. I need help. Garbage in, garbage out. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, another question for you, the cash flow method, the accrual method, where's the kind of paradigm shift right now? Where are things moving towards, you know, if you look at a lot of these services that you link up with like bench which i mentioned you know they only live at the cash flow method they don't it, accounts receivable doesn't mean much um, what is your take on that and where is the industry moving towards so it depends on what you're selling and what you're doing if you're a service-based business you should be cash anyways it, it doesn't matter if you are selling some sort of inventory right then you potentially could be accrual for management accounting but you would still report on cash for tax purposes right so now you're going to have some sort of uh in and out right um if you think about um accounts receivable uh, what we used to do, well, what we do, which I think is actually easy for entrepreneurs to do, is to use a service like FreshBooks or something like that, because I actually think they have a really good AR piece, and then um, do their accounting in something else, right? So there's so many different ways, but I mean, most businesses at this point should be cash. On, from a management side, they should be accrual, but I mean, for tax purposes, they're going to report on a cash basis because I think even now with the, even the inventory, unless they're making in, in excess of $20 million, they're not required to report on a cruel basis anyways. So, mm. um, you it. know. And how can, how can you uh, provide some advice on kind of avoiding uh, double, double taxation? I know that that's a, a pretty hot topic. Um, well, if you're a C-Corp, that's the only opportunity that you would potentially be double taxed. If you're an S-Corp, an LLC, or um, you would be a flow-through entity, and you wouldn't be double taxed, even though people call it double tax, they just don't understand it, right? So it's kind of like the whole, um, you know, not to get political, but the Trump-Biden, all the tax stuff going on read anything on the internet about it and it's all wrong because they don't understand the complexity of the tax code. So when you when you talk about taxation, um, just because something is double taxed, typically it's not because most businesses aren't C-Corps. So most, most small businesses are either S-Corps or LLCs and that means they're flow through entities, which means they get taxed at their individual level, but that's not a double tax. It's just a different 
place where it's taxed. Got it. Well, I think that we could all do a better job to understand and to do our research to figure out what double taxation is, what it is and what it is not, of course, because it's a scary thing for some people to think about the fact that their business is getting taxed and then their personal income is getting taxed and it's just a whole thing from there. So I think uh, I think that's really good advice. You mentioned FreshBooks. So why would you why would you so how does Fresh FreshBooks compare to QuickBooks and what are the, some of the comparisons? Do you have a recommendation? Well, so QuickBooks is kind of like or QuickBooks Online, right? That's kind of like well, I'll say first of all cloud, right? So QuickBooks Online is kind of a full accounting package. FreshBooks used to be invoicing only and they've just recently become full accounting, but I think personally for that smaller company, FreshBooks is easier to use. I think it just has a better user interface. I think that they have really good customer support. It's just a a, a nice uh, software for that smaller uh, solopreneur, right? Or that entrepreneur, right? When you start needing really more accounting features or whatever, then you can look towards QuickBooks Online. Um, mm. But there's a bunch, there's Wave, there's, uh, like Bench, uh, there's a ton of different accounting softwares. It's just you have to find the one that's right for your business. Mm, got it. Now, this idea of bookkeeping, taxing, and or taxes, I should say, and then CFO kind of financial management. One of my personal frustrations is that these things are kind of treated very separately. You know, you have a bookkeeper and then you have an accountant to help you with your taxes, and then you have some sort of a service or a CFO that helps you to make better financial decisions. How can we integrate these three things on an ongoing basis into a business so that we can ultimately make better decisions? So, so that's what New Vision used to do, right? So New Vision, we put payroll, bookkeeping, tax, and CFO advisory together. We bundled it. We and we charged it at a subscription rate, right? And it was call us anytime, right? And the reason you need that is because you need a holistic approach to your financial situation. Mm -hmm. And I would even argue that you wanna put in your individual taxes and wealth management in that circle as well, because typically with small businesses, their individual is significantly connected to those businesses. So their personal finance, financial situation is connected there. So I think to me, that's the perfect, um, you know, uh, combination of services. We used to call it our business best friend. And the reason being is because you want that person to have a complete understanding of your full picture before they're giving you advisory services. Because if they're only looking at this piece, they're missing everything else. And mm -hmm. especially at small business, small business is really holistically connected around that entrepreneur. If you are, you know, a $10 million, well, you could still be a $10 million business and considered a small business. But if you have, um, you know, significant revenue, then that's where there's kind of separation between church and state. And like those, um, those corporate finances are really kind of disconnected from that owner. But in most small businesses under $10 million, all of that stuff should be looked at in one picture because otherwise you're missing half of it. Mm. And you mentioned you had a rec in there, New Vision. Can you, could you, is that, is that a service that's still available or? So that's my firm. It's New Vision CPA Group. And we were acquired by Botkeeper, but yeah, it's still around. Okay, got it. Amazing. Well, I wanted to thank you for your time. Where can folks learn more about your business, about your firm? Um, where can they connect with you on social? So the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Jody Paydar CPA. Um, or on LinkedIn and just search Jody Paydar um, and I'll come up. 
Amazing, Jody. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was extremely educational. And I will see you on Twitter and I will see you on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Jody. Sure.